Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. songs um, it talked about heaven coming to earth um, and I know in the Lord's Prayer it talks about heaven coming to earth and uh, it just spurred a thought in me it's like when have we ever seen heaven come to earth and that happened in the life of Jesus and there's probably no more beautiful picture in all of history than Jesus coming to the earth because if you think about everywhere Jesus went people were healed it didn't matter their infirmity, it didn't matter their issue. And at times, Jesus didn't even have to go there. And I'm reminded of the, the Roman uh, officer that, that came to Jesus and said that his son had fallen sick. And Jesus says, well, I'll go with you. And he says, sir, you don't have to go with me. Because he recognized the authority that Jesus had. He said, if you'll just speak the word. It'll be done, and Jesus did so. And the other thing I, I think about is the, the woman with the issue of blood. And so here this woman had suffered her entire life with this issue. And she was so hopeful that she pushed her way through a crowd. And according to the laws and traditions of the time, she defiled every person she touched because she was unclean. And for her to do that could have meant a death sentence. That's how desperate she was to get to Jesus. And yet, with all of that facing her, with all of that legalism and, and, and uh, authority that they had in the law at the time that she knew about, she still had greater hope in reaching Jesus than what all of that meant around her. So she stared into the mouth of the line, if you will, and went forward anyway. And if you're familiar at all with the story, you know that Jesus came to the world and the world did not receive him. And that the world rejected Jesus and he suffered and died, but in doing so, fulfilled the one and final sacrifice for all time. Where he was on the cross, where he took all the sins from all the people from that time on forward and took that burden upon himself so we wouldn't have to live with it. And the interesting thing to me, and I find it absolutely fascinating, is that what he says on the cross in those last moments is the same thing that the priests in the temple were saying. Because as they were having the, the same sacrifice in the temple, the, the, the Jewish people were bringing their sacrifices to the temple during those days. And they would take their sacrifice up to the temple and they would take it to the priest and he would bless it and he would impart the sins of that person onto the, onto the animal and they would cut its throat and the priest said this, it is finished. So make no mistake about it, Jesus on the cross knew the price he was paying. He knew his role and his job. And he knew that he was a sacrifice for man's sin. 
And so there on the cross, his last words for all of mankind that echoes throughout all history, just like the priests in the temple, it is finished. So I'm hopeful today. I'm hopeful because I know Jesus rules and reigns in my life as much as I'll let him. And in that is the challenge for all of us. And that is a challenge for all of us, is to lay our life down and let Jesus truly rule and reign in our lives. Because that, everyone's on a, a little bit different journey in this life, a little bit different path in this life, and that looks different for everybody. Because from your perspective, that surrender, if you will, in that moment, is a little bit different than it looks like at that moment of time in my life. And so we all have to walk out this process of surrendering to the rule and reign of Jesus in our life. That's our role as a Christian. But here's the interesting piece. Is that Jesus has put a little bit of himself in all of us. Because the word says that when we give our life to him, when we seek his repentance and, and we make that decision to let him be Lord of our life, that there's this impartation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Heaven erupts in praise because another lost child has come home. And that bit of that Holy Spirit that lives within us is that little voice you hear in the back of your head that says, don't do that. It's that little one that says, I just should call that person today. I don't know why they're on my mind, but I should really reach out to them. And the Holy Spirit allows us to face every decision to face every moment, every trial, every difficulty in life with this little voice in our head that tries to help us navigate through. And I don't know that I've ever heard the audible sound of the Holy Spirit. But I know that he speaks to me and he inspires me with words. And I, and I get these sudden downloads of thoughts of people and things and circumstances that come completely out of left field. It's usually how it happens to me. And I realize everyone's maybe a little bit different. Because I'll, it's kind of like a radio station, and this is probably a bad analogy in today's time of digital and all of that where you just hit a certain number and it's perfectly tuned in. But if you're a little bit older like myself, you used to have a dial that you had to twist, and you could get to every frequency depending on how far you twisted that knob. But if you were off just a little bit, you get a lot of static, and that signal would break up. And if you got under certain power lines or certain intersections or things like that where there's a little more interference, it just got worse to the point where you couldn't make out what was being said. Sometimes you would get hear a different channel coming through, a different station somehow would drift across onto that frequency. And so it's the same challenge in our lives is to really get tuned in to what channel Jesus is on, what channel the Holy Spirit speaks to us through. And so that, that's our, our challenge, is one, getting tuned to the right frequency, recognizing the voice that speaks into our lives, and then having the courage to follow that. And so while Jesus came to earth, and you can think about all of the villages and all of the people that, that he met, the people that had hope, the people that were healed and restored, that were called up from the grave. And at the end of the day, 
he leaves and he says, I give you the same authority. And if you're going to follow me, then you ought to walk like me. And I give you everything that you can be just like me. And so today, you know, we have this desire to see heaven on earth. And what does that look like? It looks a lot like Jesus. As that plays out in your life, in my life, and every once in a while, we'll get a glimpse of that supernatural, awesome, miracle-working power of God. Now, the world will, will bypass it as, as just chance. They'll, they'll just write it off as uh, a miracle and bless the Catholic Church, but if you've got to have five people to come in and, and they've got to do their studies and all this kind of stuff to determine it's a miracle, they're trying too hard. Last time I checked, miracles are pretty, well, miraculous, right? They are, by definition, a miracle. And so every once in a while, when we can get in that unity of the faith, when we can press in to hear God's voice, when we can uh, look to heaven, and we know that when we send up prayers, he not only hears them, but he leans into them. And there's an image there that I, that I was thinking about. And this isn't even my message this morning, y'all. Just, I just felt impressed with this this morning. But you know what? God doesn't need any of us. He doesn't. There's nothing we can give God. If he can just throw the stars into existence and, and call all of the animals and things on earth into existence, what can we possibly give him that he needs? Nothing. But what does he desire? He desires us because he made men and women, but men just generally, to worship. I believe he looked down at the earth and he says, I need something that will call back to me. And it says he didn't speak man into existence, but he, he watered up some of the earth and formed it and shaped it and blew into it his breath of life. So man is uniquely special on the earth for that reason. Because we're this special handmade creation of God. And even now, even though we, we are birthed through a woman, it says God knit us together in our mother's room. And if you've ever knitted, it is stitch by stitch. There's no shortcut, right? Knit one, purl two, I don't know. It's been a while since I've knitted, I did it as a kid. Don't judge me. But you have to go knit by knit, right? And then if you're going to have someone who's going to be tall, well, that, that's maybe a special stitch, right? And maybe someone who's funny, you know, they're, they, maybe they're missing a stitch. I don't know. But that's how precious we are to God, that he would take the time to knit us together, to make a conscious choice to say, this is a one of a kind, and I need a little of this and a little of that, a stitch here and a stitch there. Because I know if I can get this piece together with this piece and I can get them to gather up and I can get them to be in unity and I can get them to love like I've shown them, I'll be right there with them. And it'll be heaven on earth again. So I don't know, that got to me this morning. That got to me this morning. And here Brittany is saying, we've got, we got to strive for more. We all know if you were here last week, we talked about um, the text says it'll, it'll basically feed you to the point that you're hungry. 
If you're not hungry, you're not going to get anything. But it, it is laid out like a buffet. Take all you want. But if you're not hungry, you're going to end up with an empty plate. So we have to have that desire and that passion to dig into the word, to dig into his presence, to spend time with him, to tune our radio into the right frequency to hear his voice if we're going to see heaven on earth. And I believe we can do it. I believe he has laid out in his word a way to do that. And, uh, and it's, it, it is unfortunate, I would say, that through the ages, through physical distance and time, I think that we have drifted away from his fullness in our lives. You think about the disciples that walked with them. They walked in a different authority. The Holy Spirit came on them in the upper room, and the next day they're out in the street where they had previously been hiding the day before. Because oppression was increasing on all these people that were following Jesus. Now they're standing out in the street just boldly proclaiming Christ. And I think it said on that day, 3,000 came and were baptized into the kingdom. What would it look like if we could find that same boldness? Where our shadows would cross the path of others and they would be healed. No words exchanged, no, no requests, but just we walk with that anointing that follows us. Where God's light shines so through us that just being in our presence made a difference. And so we have a lot to strive for, and that should be our desire. We should be hungry to move into his presence. That's a clumsy stitch I'm missing. <laughs> but we should be hungry to move into his presence. And our desire should burn in us to to forever seek an unlimited God, to forever find more of what he has for us. It's one of the, one of the reasons that we, we latched onto this word more, and if you look in the, in the vestibule out there, we have this, um, what's, it, what's it called, a word chart or something? It's got a particular name, somebody knew it? Mosaic, not the word I'm looking for, we'll go with it, sounds fancy. It's like a word mosaic that's up there, but it, um, it has all these words. And we, when, we, when we started the well and we were, maybe before we started, we were just planning it. And we're like, okay, God, what are you telling us? And we wrote down something he's telling us. So what are, what's, what's going to be the vision of the house and that kind of thing? We wrote this down, we wrote this down, we wrote this down. And God was just kind of delivering this vision of what, what we need to do. What was going to make the well different? Why do we need another church? And so we wrote all this down and one word stood out and came up more often, and it's more. And we came to realize that, that people had gotten satisfied and had lost their appetite. I mean, if you've been in church any time at all, you probably know people who, who warmed that pew for years and years and years, and their lives never changed. They went through the same cycle of, of oppression and fall and, and then that, that, that resurrection or the uh, redemption again. And then they may be stabilized for a while and it's the same cycle over and over again. And I think it's, it's that complacency that kills us. It's feeling like, like we get to a certain point and we've done enough without realizing we have an unlimited God that says, oh, if you'll, if you'll just run a little bit faster, if you'll just seek a little bit more, 
If you will just let your hunger drive you just a little bit more, I've got a whole new chapter over here that I want to introduce you to. There's a whole new level that I want you to see. So I think God has some of that for us today. I don't know who needed that message. Maybe it was just for me. Thanks for playing along, though. Amen. All right, so the the text I want to talk about today is in 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 8 through 10, if you want to turn with me there. Um, And the the title of the message I have here is Strong in Faith. Um, On Tuesday night, we were here for prayer. Uh, And can I just stop for a minute and just say we've had an incredible week this week. Um, And we had a great service last week. Katie, you blessed me with the word that you brought last week. Um, prayer Tuesday night was awesome. Um, just, you know, if, when we take time and just enter into the Lord and just press into his presence, he delivers. And then Wednesday we had the, uh, blessing of, of baptizing a couple people. Um, and that's such a beautiful thing. I, I just, um, you know, I got baptized when I was 20, 21 years old, something like that. And I don't appreciate baptism, uh, I didn't appreciate baptism then like I do now. Um, you know, I, I've learned, I've grown, I, I see more meaning and depth in baptism than, than I did when I was young in the faith. Um, and so it's, it's more special to me, and, and now I get the, the blessing and the privilege of being the pastor to be out there with someone as they, they go down into the water washing away their previous life and come and are raised to new life in Christ. And we know that baptism isn't the, the end-all, be-all it is simply one of those steps uh, that we go through in, in that walk of redemption. But, but we were able to do that on Wednesday night and so enjoyed that. Um, we went right down to Rocky Gap, uh, right there on the beach so everyone could see and made this public declaration that, that we had no shame. We, we were in love with Jesus and we're just out there being our, our little Jesus freak selves right there on the beach for everyone to see. You know, and that's okay, and that's good. And some people need to see that. Because I think a lot of churches today get inside the walls, and that's all you see of them. You see a pretty building. And you don't get to see people out, you know, sharing Christ in the streets and that kind of stuff as much as maybe we should. But that was wonderful. And then, and then Thursday night, we were back here for prayer. And then, uh, and then yesterday, uh, I had the privilege of uh, going to a wedding of a dear friend and... Uh, and I thought it was beautiful. They, they, uh, they both had previous marriages, um, and, and so we can discuss and debate, you know, the uh, biblical context of divorce and marriage and all that stuff. But what I saw there was a, a commitment from both the husband and the wife to not only marry each other, but both having previous marriage, both had kids from prior marriages. They also married husband and wife to the kids on the other side. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Um, to show that commitment. And so I, I've had a, a tremendous week, um, but Tuesday night, uh, the Lord put something on my spirit, and I talked briefly about it on Tuesday night, and it's the same text uh, that we'll talk about today. Um, and I dug in a little bit deeper and, and have a little more in it than I did on Tuesday night. So if you're here Tuesday night, you'll hear a little of the same and a lot different. How's that? So let's look at the text. Nate, how we doing? You got it? All right. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, and I'm reading out of the NLT. Verse 8, it says, stay alert. 
It says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory. Thank you, Lord. And by means of Christ Jesus, so after you have suffered just a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. God, as I deliver this message, I ask, Father, that you would open hearts, that you would open minds. Father, let them be ready to receive your word. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would rise up in each and every one, Father, and as we go over this text, that you would speak to them, that you would draw out those important things to them, Father. And I thank you and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the thing that stands out first and foremost in this text is really the second thing in the text. And it says, watch out. There is a great enemy. His name is the devil. And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I thought this was interesting because for many years, I've heard people say one thing. And just this last week, I heard or actually read something that contradicted that. And it's interesting because I think the Lord put this scripture in my way this week and this other devotional that I read that contradicted this statement that I'd heard all my whole life. I shouldn't say my whole life. I didn't go to church since I was 20. Um, so that part of my life, my new life. How about that? Um, but I've always heard the, the statement, greater levels, greater devils. Like if somehow your growing in the faith is going to attract more attention from the devil. And I've heard it over and over and over again. And, it, and I will say it's not uncommon to hear stories of, of people that have some kind of breakthrough than just to feel like they're being hit and attacked again. And I would say that's not uncommon. But I don't think it's because somehow the, the devil got upset that we had a breakthrough and now he's coming after us. Because I, I think the devil isn't that smart. He isn't that brave. Because the text says he goes about like a roaring lion. And if you know anything about lions, lions never attack from the front. If you ever watched a cat, a house cat, go after a little bird in the yard, lions are sneaky. But this is a roaring lion. So what does that mean? Well, I had to think about this a little bit. And I remember years ago, I watched this documentary. Don't judge me. I like documentaries. I like to learn. It, it is a passion of mine. I like to learn. But it was a documentary about one of these tribes in Africa that is kind of has never moved into the modern world. They're, they're one of these tribes that lives out on the I don't know, prairie tundra. I'm not sure what the right term is there of Africa and has all of their traditions from, from years and years, hundreds of years maybe, and, and they go out and they hunt the wild animals. In this case, they were hunting a giraffe, of all things. And in the midst of hunting this giraffe, 
they get these spears, and on the tip of the spears, they find this certain berry that is a poisonous berry. And so they, they put this poison on the spear, and in the midst of, of hunting and finding and finally catching up to one of these giraffes, they throw the spear, and they hit the, the giraffe with the spear, and they poison the giraffe. Well, the problem is it takes days for that to work into the giraffe system where the giraffe eventually gets sick enough where it's just tired of running. And so they, they go on this trek, and they, 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 in this documentary, they track this giraffe over several days. Well, the problem is, is that they leave the safety of their camp. And now they are out in the wilderness where there are lions. And so it's interesting what they do. In the evenings, they make camp. And so out in the wilderness there, they find these plants that have these long thorns on them. And they will go and cut these and gather these up until they, they make this wall around their camp. And, and they're careful to make it tall enough the line doesn't want to jump over it. And at some point at the night, that narrows down to a single opening, and then at night, they actually stuff things in that opening. And so that keeps the line out. But all night long, they can hear the lion because cats are nocturnal. They like to be up at night. And they can hear the sound of the lion coming from the darkness. So there's a lot in that statement right there. You see, the enemy likes to go about like a lion in the darkness. Where you can hear his growl. And it gets your attention. And it can drive you into fear. Because you know the lion's out there, and at one moment they're over here and you're in this encampment, and maybe you feel safe for the moment. But next thing you know, now, they're, now it's over here. And that lion will go at night, and knowing that these people are in there, knowing that as this giant wild cat, he can smell these prey that are behind this wall, and he searches for a way in. And if they've done their job well, they can rest inside there. But you see, the lion prowls around like that in the darkness. Much like the enemy does, the devil does in our life, he likes the darkness. Because where we shine light on that, where we shine truth on things, where we allow Christ to go with us and before us, he brings light. So the devil is always looking for an opportunity. He's always looking to attack from behind, and he's opportunistic. He is not one that is going to find someone who just had a breakthrough in their lives, feels as strong as an ox, is ready to storm hell with a water pistol, and try to challenge them. Because he knows that, that, that he's not going to win that fight. Much like when the day comes, and everyone's up and has their, their spears in their hand, and they can move about and they can see the enemy coming, he's not going to challenge them. And so the, the enemy always looks for an opportunity to, to come from behind. And just because you, you get to a greater level doesn't mean you're going to fight a greater devil. If anything, he is going to stay away from you. Now, it doesn't mean that, that you won't 
be caught up in circumstances. You won't be caught up in stressful moments. You won't be caught up in things where you let your guard down. And much like this encampment, if they don't close that wall well, if they don't build it big enough, then there is a weakness there that the lion can exploit. And it's the same thing in our lives. If we don't, we don't prepare our hearts properly, and we're not feeding on the word, and we're not growing in the word, then we leave ourselves exposed as well. Psalms 91.3 talks about God delivering us from the fowler. And in this case, the fowler is one who hunts birds. And so to hunt a bird, if you can imagine, you have to be quiet, you have to be still, and you have to wait for that moment. When the bird is distracted, occupied, when it's unexpected. And so just like that, the enemy waits until we're, we're occupied and focused on something else before he makes his move. In 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 and 14, it talks about false apostles. And it says the, the false apostles, deceitful workers, are, are transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So there's deception in that. And in verse 14 it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So there's deception that we have to look out for. And there's this kind of sneaky enemy out there that we have to look out for. But he doesn't look for those who are filled with faith, who have a firm foundation, who are the ones that are going to stand and fight against him. He's looking for those who are distracted. Those who, who don't have a firm foundation, who are filled with doubt and, and those type things. And he also doesn't search for the bride. If we made a choice and, and we accept ourselves as the bride of Christ, he's not going to mess with the bride. Because if you mess with the bride, you've got to mess with the groom. So the enemy looks for those times when, when he can slip in those times when, when we might have compromise or distractions, we might have stress in our life that keeps us from kind of being focused and, and having our hearts settled with Jesus. So in the text, that's the why. That's the why. Why do we need to pay attention to this text? Because that's why. Because we are walking around with a target on our back. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to handle it? So that's the next piece. So the first words say, stay alert. Now, alert just means you're aware, and that's important. It's important that you're aware of the facts that the enemy is looking for an opportunity. It's important that you understand that he's waiting for a weak moment. He's waiting for you to be distracted. He's waiting for other circumstances to come up in your life that he can take advantage of. And he's patient like the fowler who has to stay very still in the grass until the bird settles in. He's patient. So you have to be aware that these things are out there. And then the most important one is stay. Stay alert. Which the fact that that's in there at all says that there are times when we are not alert. And there is a word of caution there that, that there is diligence needed. There's diligence needed that we need to stay alert. We need to stay aware. 
and not be distracted and not, not, not let circumstances overwhelm us, not let circumstances take our attention off of the fact that, that there is another battle raging that is unseen. And that we're in the midst of that battle even though we don't see it. So we have to remain on guard. And then the next one that I wrote down here, it says, uh, make God plan A. So this is number two. What can you do? You can make God plan A. And make sure there is no plan B. Because if you think you can do it, you probably will. And you will do it much less effectively than God would. And I, I put it this way, and I'm going to borrow a line from you, Katie, from last week. It says, if I'm striving, I'm not surrendering. If I'm working hard to fix whatever the issue is, if I'm, if I'm working hard to, to settle whatever uh, circumstances around me, and I'm not going to God with it, and I've not surrendered that circumstance to him, I've not let his knowledge and wisdom pour into me to handle that situation. I could do that, but I'm not, I'm not letting God get involved. I'm not letting him occupy that part of my life. I've not surrendered that part of my life to him. And so there's a peace that's in the dark. If I haven't let God enter that piece of my life, there's a peace that's in the dark. And if the enemy prowls around in the dark, then there's an opportunity. So we got to fully surrender all of our circumstances, all of our difficulties, all of our trials. We've got to put it in his hand. It's got to pass through the hands of Jesus before we get our hands on it. In Proverbs 3, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of it, not in certain circumstances, but all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Which tells me that our eyes can play tricks on us, our ears can play tricks on us, that God operates in the place that we don't understand. He sees more, knows more, and he knows better. It says, in all your ways, look at your neighbor and say, all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And then Hebrews 11.1, 1, somebody probably knows that. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So God operates in ways that we don't understand and we can't see. The one song says, even when, when it doesn't look like he's working, he's working. Even when we can't see it, he's working. I'll just throw this out. You can put this out in the margin. I heard this week someone, someone shared a post that said, on the seventh day, God rested. And we look at that and we go, oh, that's great. But do you realize he didn't need the rest? He had no need to rest. And then he goes, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to rest. And then you got to wonder why. Why would an all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all those words, why would he rest? Other than just to put an example for people who are looking at him and going, what do we do now? 
And I know life can get busy and we can get our schedule so full of stuff. But if God rested, shouldn't you? I think it's a good idea. I don't know how I'm going to do that yet. I hadn't figured that out. But I think if God rested, maybe it's a good thing for us too. In James chapter 4, in, in verse 7, actually before verse 7, uh, James is talking about the strife that's going on in the, in the church there between the believers. And so he admonishes them, he says, to be humble, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, I think the devil tries to get us from behind, but if we'll turn and face him, He's, he's much less capable. He's more cowardly. And then verse 8, it says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. You call out to the groom, and the groom comes running. And he's going to be there to stand by your side. He's going to fight your battles. So we got to get out of this mindset that every situation demands our attention. Every situation demands a response from us. Now, admittedly, there are times when we need to do whatever we can do. God is probably not going to pick up the phone and call and apologize for you. Okay? There, there are times when, when there are things that we need to do. We have responsibilities. You know, decisions have consequences. And sometimes we need to repent to people if we've hurt them. If we've caused a situation, if we somehow have made it worse, whatever it is, there is a responsibility for us to take some action. But we should also feel obligated to put God in the middle of it. Because he has promised to be in every part of our lives. And we shouldn't be excluding him from any part of our lives. I think I've told you all before, I'll tell you again. There was a time when I asked God what kind of socks to wear. Because I, I'm going to know if socks were going to influence my day or they were going to touch someone in my day, I wanted to know. And I think God looked at me and he smiled, and I think I might have heard his laughter where he's like, just pick socks. Because some things are clearly more important than other things. I think maybe, maybe I flattered him that, that I wanted to know what kind of socks he would like me to wear that day. But then, then I, I think, too, he's like, you know, that's great, but I put all these lovely socks in your drawer so that you would enjoy picking them out. Just go pick something out. So I think God is gracious to us that way, too. And not every decision maybe requires God's intervention. But there are certainly some that do. Continuing in verse 8 there, it says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And I just want to touch on that because it's, it's interesting that it says, wash your hands. Now, back in those days, uh, especially in the Roman culture, um, you have a picture of this when Jesus um, uh, is in the Roman court, and they bring him out, and the... the Praetor, or whatever his name is, I can't think of what the, the right term would be for him. He comes out and he says, I find no fault in this man. And symbolically, he goes over to this basin of water and he washes his hands. He's saying, the blood's not on my hands. And so I, 
I think this is kind of referring to that same tradition of, of washing your hands, where basically God is saying, get your stir- dirty, stinking hands off of my stuff. Your hands aren't supposed to be there anyway. This, this is where you turn it over to me. This is, this is where you surrender that bit of your life to me. And so I see him, see him there saying, get your dirty paws off my stuff. Purify your hearts. Get your heart right. Stop thinking you know what's right, but come back to me and test your heart. Because then your hands will be doing something different. So make sure you get your heart right before you get your hands involved. All right, and then number three, I've got in here, if you're going to fight, if you're going to stand and you're going to fight, one, you better know what you're fighting for. You better be fully aware of the circumstance that's going on. What is the enemy really trying to do? What is he really after? You know that argument that you and your husband had about not picking up the clothes, and I'm looking at you guys for no particular reason. <laughs> and, and, and you got upset, and feelings were hurt, and tears were shed. It's not really about the clothes. But if the enemy's in there in the midst of that and he's just stirring that up, it's not really about the clothes. It's about your relationship in marriage. It's about that unity of marriage that he is trying to wiggle his way into and break up. So if you're going to fight, know what you're fighting for. Let that clarity come from God in your prayers. And know that, that the devil is not interested in your dirty clothes on the floor. And then two, get your heart right. So starting a, a fight with your heart in the wrong place is just going to lead to, to more hurt feelings and more distance, and you're going to let the enemy win. you got to get your heart right. And that's hard to do. How many of y'all have been in the moment and said things that you couldn't pull back? Right? Then you got to go eat some humble pie at some point, hopefully. If you don't know what that tastes like, you might should try it. That's what I'm saying. But it's hard in those moments. It's hard in those moments when the other person's already spouted off something and you were just fuming and angry and you're just boiling over. It's hard to bite that tongue. I'd say something, but I'm not gonna. It's tough, y'all. I mean, that's just life. But we've got to get to the place. We've got to get it, the word into our heart. We've got to get that tenderness and, and, and love and compassion in our heart. We've got to have our eyes open and be aware of what's really going on in that moment. And let's be honest, any argument you've probably had, especially as a, a married couple, is probably not just that moment. It boils over in that moment. But chances are there's been a little something that's aggravated you and you bit your tongue and didn't say anything. And then there's a little something else and a little something else and a little something else and that finally builds up. And like the turkey on Thanksgiving, the little thing goes boop and comes out and then it's on. We got to learn to diffuse all that. We got to learn to be able to talk about these things. We got to operate in the grace and love that he has given us. 
every care should pass through the heart of Jesus. Even in the moment when it's tough. Now, some of y'all my age might remember the bracelets. What would Jesus do? That really needs to be just wrapped around our heart. Because as cliche and, and as kind of fashionable and fad as it was in the moment, it was a great reminder of how we should filter everything in our lives through that same thought. When we feel stress coming on, we feel aggravation coming on, when, when we're at our highs, when we're at our lows, that ought to be one of the first questions we ask ourselves. What would Jesus do? If he were here, what would he say? Well, he'd start off with, I love you. You know, I made you perfect just the way you are. You're a one of a kind because I thought that highly of you. I've been thinking about you for a long, long time. You know, at, at one point, someone tried to count how many good thoughts I had thought about you, and they used grains of sand to count it. They're still counting. They never got to the end. That's what Jesus would say to you. All right, let me wrap this up here. So if you find yourself being hunted by the lion or maybe feeling attacked by the lion, one question whether it's really a lion. Because the word promises us that there's going to be tests and trials in our lives. And every difficulty and every challenge is not from the devil. Some of those tests and some of those trials and some of those things you go through are to further refine and shape you. Because all those tests and all those trials, really regardless of where they come from, at the end when you've overcome that, your faith is going to be bigger. Your footing is going to be firmer. And you're going to be stronger. So one, recognize what's really going on there. And I think the litmus test that, that I would think about is that is it, is it something that's going to draw me away from God? Because the enemy's job is to advance the darkness. The text says he's there to steal, kill, and destroy. So if at the end of the day, the outcome is we're the blue socks or the red socks, not the baseball team. It, it probably is not something that is going to pull you away from God. But if it's strife in your marriage, if, if, if it is hurt in relationships, if it is something that 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 you are challenged in your relationship with Christ, then that's a good litmus, litmus test. Get that out. That it might be the enemy coming against you. 
And so if you're going to stand your ground, you need to have a firm foundation. You need to know the ground that you're standing on. You need to be firmly planted in that ground and have confidence behind you. Now, the interesting thing in all of this is that the context is of a battle, of being attacked. And if you think about every other battle that you've ever heard of, it's all about advancing. And yet the word says, stand. And so in the midst of that battle, in the, in the midst of being attacked, if that's what it really is, the Lord says, stand. And it's not that he doesn't want to take you, have you take ground, because the word says that you advance. And your faith is made more sure. But I believe that in the midst of all that, if you acknowledge that the enemies come against you and you call on your heavenly father to come and defend you, that it's in that moment, in that battle, that God fights for you, that you get to see him move in your life, that your faith advances. So this morning, if you are fighting a battle, I just want you to take a moment and just reflect on it and sell it in your heart. Is this the enemy coming against me? Is this a test or a trial from heaven? Is it, is it the refiner's fire that is making my heart and my life towards Christ more pure? Or is the enemy really coming against me in this circumstance and he's drawing me away? And so if you will, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as you think about that for a moment, if you're facing one of those battles and you feel like the enemies come against you, if you'll just shoot up your hand, I just want to know who we're praying for this morning. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.